my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you are having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Today is Monday, April 2nd, or at least it will be for another minute. It is almost midnight. It's soon to be Tuesday. Hope you had a great weekend. I waited until after the NCAA College Basketball National Championship to record this episode of the podcast. I always do that for big games like this. I know this is not as big as the College Football National Championship. This is not Alabama Clemson. But regardless, this was a great game. I wanted to make sure I got it into the podcast for Monday, quote-unquote, episode. Uh, And it was really fun, man. I really, really enjoyed the National Championship. I got to admit, it's really like the one shining moment tradition is getting pretty weird. The the music simply does not fit basketball. But regardless, I hope we never change. And I really appreciated that TBS went all out. I, I work a lot of live shows. And as a production nerd, I really, really appreciated what was we saw. A bunch of wire cams, sideline cameras on rails. Again, man, it was a great production. Really, really loved it. I want to start with this. I very briefly was a long-distance runner. In high school, I dated the senator of Oregon's daughter. Oh, man. And she was a long-distance runner. So what I would do is I would go running with her. I would go with her on her training sessions. And there was a tendency that I had to learn how to fight when I was running long-distance. See, I would want to sprint right out of the gate. I'd want to just get started and go as fast as I possibly could. And I would burn up all of my energy in the first mile. See, the way to run long distance is you stay even keel the whole way. You find a pace and you keep a steady pace for the entire run. That is what we saw tonight in the national championship. Michigan came sprinting out of the gate immediately. All hustle. Wagner looked good. Michigan looked fearless. They shot all kinds of threes, had no problem. And if you remember, Michigan had the lead, 21-14 over Villanova. Michigan's defense looked physically dominating. They were long and lanky, and man, they just looked dominant over Villanova. And then, bam, Michigan, who came out sprinting, hit a wall in a long-distance run. At the one-mile mark, Villanova or Michigan hit a wall and could not keep sprinting. What goes up must come down. Because next thing I know, it's 24-25 Villanova. And then 24-28 in Nova's favor. And eventually, it was 28-37, to and Villanova never looked back from there. In the first half, Wagner had 11 points in the first five minutes for Michigan. And after that, the last 15 minutes of the first half, he did not score. Michigan's best player did not score the last 15 minutes of the first half. And in the second half, Michigan came out and they looked hesitant. From behind the three-point line, they were no longer taking the same confident shots they were in the first half. And the obvious thing is Dante DiVincenzo uh, had a ridiculous night. He just absolutely killed it. He had 31 points. He was 10 for 15 shooting. He had five threes. He had a dominating performance. But, but don't go crazy about Dante. Remember how good Jimmer Fredette looked? Relax. Dante is great. I'm excited for his future, but let's not go NBA crazy. Now, again, 
despite Nova winning by 17 points. It was 79-62 to Villanova over Michigan. I loved every minute of this game. I found myself, despite the 15-point deficit, still yelling at the TV. It was fun. It was amazing. I loved it. And I love sports when it matters. When sports matter, when the outcome matters, there is nothing better in all of sports. Now, the truth is, Villanova dominated. Villanova had 38 rebounds to Michigan's 27. Villanova shot 37% from three-point range. Michigan only shot 13% from behind the arc. And I loved it. It was a ton of fun to watch. It was great. In spite of the blowout, I know they Villanova won by 18 points. It didn't feel like that to me. It was a ton of fun. I loved it. I'm happy for Jay Wright. I'm a big fan of Jay Wright. Villanova's coach. He's absolute class, and this was a very fun game to watch. It's worth noting, though, before we move on from basketball, there were 112 shots taken in tonight's national championship, and 50 of the 112 were three-pointers. Villanova shot 27 three-pointers. Michigan shot 23. Just under half of every single shot that was taken tonight was a three-pointer. I know I'm not going to be the first person to say this. A lot of people have touched on this before. But tonight is an example of Steph Curry's impact on basketball. Look, I'm in college. Technically, I grew up watching Steph Curry. Guys I play basketball with were influenced heavily by watching today's basketball players. When you go play rec basketball at my college, when you go to Washington State University's rec center, what do you see? Everybody, six foot six guy, five foot eight guy, everybody in that gym is shooting threes. Do you know why? Because Steph Curry, Steph Curry changed the game of basketball. Steph Curry's impact is that now everybody can shoot threes. That's why 50 of 112 shots tonight in the national championship were three point shots. It's funny, everybody had a list last week talking about the most influential guys on the sport of basketball. Mine goes like this. First, it's Jordan for very obvious reasons. Jordan is the biggest brand in all of sports. Now, second for me is Allen Iverson. No no one changed the game like Allen Iverson. I'll explain that later. Then we have, I combined Larry Bird and Magic Johnson just because they were, they played at the same time and we'd never seen guys at their height be able to shoot. Everybody that was a 6'10 guy would back you down, do hook shots, stuff like that. These guys, Magic and Larry Bird, were tall and could shoot. That's what we see now from Porzingis and Dirk Nowitzki. All these guys that are tall and shoot is because of their influence. Now, for the fourth most influential guy on basketball, I put Steph Curry. Again, ahead of LeBron James. Because Steph Curry changed the game of basketball. All the three-pointers you see in basketball, that's because of Steph Curry's influence. Now, again, at five, I do put LeBron because of his, his Hollywood career. And he's, had, he's, he's globally, LeBron is a huge star. He's a bigger star than Tom Brady. But Steph Curry, mark my word, Steph Curry absolutely has impacted the game of basketball. Guys my age, guys younger than me, people I still know from high school, they looked up to Steph Curry growing up. When they were in high school, when they were playing high school basketball, they saw the way Steph Curry was playing and said, I want to do that. 
it's interesting. I left Russell Westbrook off the list. I was listening to Earl Watson discuss how Russell Westbrook impacted the way that NBA players dress. And for me, Allen Iverson is the one who changed the NBA's appearance. If you want to talk about somebody changing the appearance in the NBA, that is Allen Iverson. I've been studying Allen Iverson in class. Do you realize before Allen Iverson played basketball, guys didn't have tattoos? Allen Iverson changed the appearance of NBA players forever. I love I love Allen Iverson. And Allen Iverson changed the NBA 100%. The people we see now, the athletes we see now with tats and arm sleeves, that's because of Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson changed the culture of the NBA. I think for the better. I love Allen Iverson. Growing up, I always use Allen Iverson in video games. I love Allen Iverson. He's a big fan of his. His documentary is great on Netflix. I recommend you watch it. But my, my two most influential people, some dark horses, people that no one realizes. We all think of LeBron James. We all think of Michael Jordan. We all think of Magic Johnson. Never forget, Allen Iverson changed the way people dress in basketball. And Steph Curry changed the way the game is played. All the threes we saw tonight in the national championship, that is because of Allen, sorry, that is because of Steph Curry. All right, we have a great podcast today. I'm very, very excited. We're going to talk about Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is the least risky quarterback in this year's NFL draft. We're going to talk about Lamar Jackson. We're going to talk about the 49ers offensive line. Why the Seahawks are doomed. Because the Seahawks, in my opinion, are on a downward spiral and, and headed in a terrible direction. I'm very concerned. We're going to talk about the Seahawks, the 49ers, much more. I'm very excited. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as shorter, my best, most interesting clips, about five-minute clips. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. If you like this podcast as much as I do, Share this with your friends on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever it is. If you like Strong Opinion Sports, help me grow by telling your friends about this podcast. I'm terrified. Hope you know. It is, it's 12.09 a.m. in the morning, and any minute now, someone could come knock on my door. I don't know. My mattress is currently blocked up against my door. I hope that's working as some kind of percussion device that stops the sound from getting through into the hallway. It probably isn't. If you're listening, I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, but I'm very, very excited for today's podcast. I've got a sentence for you that's going to make you angry. It's going to get you all fired up. Sam Darnold is the least risky quarterback in this year's NFL draft. If you are going to draft a quarterback, Sam Darnold is the least risk. Sam Darnold is the most sure bet in this year's NFL draft when it comes to the quarterback position. So think about it. Everybody has something. You know, Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen's a smart aleck. I will never forget watching Josh Rosen. Did I say Josh Allen? I meant Josh Rosen. I will never forget. Josh Rosen is a smart aleck. I will never forget Josh Rosen talking back to Trent Dilfer at the Elite 11. Remember, Trent Dilfer is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. When I'm around people like that, I give them the utmost respect. Even if I think I'm right, look, you got to be humble. You got to have some kind of humility. And I will never forget the way Josh Rosen, Josh Rosen, UCLA's quarterback, talked back to Trent Dilfer at the Elite 11. And there's other questions about Josh Rosen. Not only does he seem kind of like a cocky, 
There's other words I don't want to use. He seems like kind of full of himself. The question is, can he take hits? He's been injured a lot. There are very real injury concerns when it comes to Josh Rosen out of UCLA. Now, Baker Mayfield also has questions. I, I love Baker Mayfield. But I keep seeing Baker Mayfield in settings that are not football. I keep seeing him on YouTube and like mean tweet reading videos and interviews and all kinds of stuff that's not nothing to do with a football field. Like, Baker, are you training? What's going on, dude? Because everybody else is training. There are also massive personality questions about Baker Mayfield. I, I like him. He's like Braveheart. I hope, for goodness sake, that Baker Mayfield is the guy he seems like he is. But we don't know. And again, Baker Mayfield's small. I hate, I was a small quarterback. I was a short quarterback. I hate when short quarterbacks are discriminated against. But Baker Mayfield, there are legit questions. Can he play in Cleveland and Buffalo or in New York for the Jets? That swirling wind, the harsh temperatures. Can Baker Mayfield play in a northern setting? And then there's Lamar Jackson. Look, I am Lamar Jackson. I'm a fan of his. I'm a believer in him. I am in Lamar Jackson's corner. Don't get me wrong. And I'm giving him a hard look. I'm saying, look, I, I believe in this guy more than almost anybody else does. But the truth is, the biggest question about Lamar Jackson is, can he win when he's not running? Can he win in the pocket? Like, if Lamar Jackson sprains his ankle tomorrow, can he still win football games? That's a huge question. We'll find out. We'll find out very soon. I'm going to go watch this film. I'm going to dive in very deep. But that is a concern about Lamar Jackson. And Josh Allen, the kid from Wyoming, seems like a great guy. Oh, he's great. He looks so good in shorts, too. You see the guy throwing at the combine and at his pro day. He looks amazing. He looks like Tarzan, but he kind of sometimes plays like Jane. That's a bit harsh. But uh, against bad competition in the Mountain West, he had a bad completion percentage. He did not even dominate the Mountain West, a conference that Derek Carr, the Raiders quarterback, completely shredded. <clears throat> Josh Allen, the Wyoming quarterback, misses easy, wide-open throws. It's concerning. Now, when you, when you take all that into perspective, what's Sam Darnold's biggest flaw? What's Sam Darnold's biggest problem? Sam Darnold has turnovers. A lot of turnovers. Look, I've debunked this before. Sam Darnold's aggressive. He has an aggressive play style. He took chances and he won more than he lost. He resembles Andrew Luck in the year Andrew Luck took the Colts to the AFC Championship. Sam Darnold has no personality concerns. Sam Darnold has no arm strength questions. He, we know he's not going to get injured. He's never been injured before. Sam Darnold played against real competition and he dominated. And Sam Darnold overcame Bad coaching at USC. He overcame bad offensive coaching. Sam Darnold is the real deal. He's the least likely quarterback to bust in this year's NFL draft. Sam Darnold is the closest thing to a sure bet at quarterback in this year's NFL draft. Whew. Drink some water. <clears throat> So, I played quarterback for one year in college, and I, I really didn't get along well. I, I, didn't, I didn't like my quarterback coach. I mean, for example, he called me Chum, a play on my nickname, Chum. I, I, we didn't, I didn't like him. He wanted me at receiver. It wasn't fun. It wasn't enjoyable. 
But I'll never forget the life lesson my quarterback in college taught me. Do not overthink things in life. We had a play with complicated routes downfield and the five-yard out route. All this complicated stuff, 20, 15 yards downfield and a five-yard out route. And he would always say, my quarterback in college, my quarterback coach would always say, don't overthink it. If the five-yard out is open, throw the five-yard out. It's a no-brainer. It's simple. We do this with movies, too. I saw Ready Player One, and people overthink it. It's a good movie. It's fun. Go see it. I recommend it. Don't overthink it. It's a really fun time. Peter King is a legend. He's a longtime NFL reporter. I don't know what exactly he does at Monday Morning Quarterback. I I think he runs the whole show. I think he's like the head honcho at that joint. I think Peter King is the top guy at Monday Morning Quarterback. Peter King reported that the Browns are favoring Josh Allen. He reported that with a number one overall pick, it's very likely we see the Cleveland Browns take Josh Allen from Wyoming instead of Sam Darnold from USC. Here's what I hate. When people hear that, people are going to overreact. Oh, how could they? I hate overreactions. I will not do that. And I've said before, and I stand by this. I stand by the fact. I will not trash the Cleveland Browns if they draft Josh Allen in this year's NFL draft. If they draft Josh Allen instead of Sam Darnold, I will not trash the Cleveland Browns. I said that before. I stand by that. However, thank God the Cleveland Browns have Tyrod Taylor because if they draft Josh Allen, they're going to need a guy day one because Josh Allen is not ready to play day one in the NFL. It's a weird, precarious situation. I know there's a lot of upside, but potential counts for nothing. You know who had a ton of potential? Deshaun Kaiser. John Kaiser crapped out. You got rid of him. Josh Allen, Wyoming's former quarterback, is not ready to start week one in the NFL. And Sam Darnold, on the other hand, is the clear, obvious choice for the number one overall pick. He's far and away the better quarterback. He's far and away the best quarterback. The least risky quarterback. The closest thing to a sure bet in this year's NFL draft. Remember, Josh Allen didn't shred the Mountain West Conference. He struggles with easy throws. Sam Darnold can make every throw. Sam Darnold, USC's quarterback, can make every single throw. He's a great personality. He can take big hits. He played against real competition and dominated. Sam Darnold overcame bad offensive coaching at USC. The Browns are overcomplicating this. I remember in basketball, if you're wide open on a fast break, you just take the layup. You don't pull up and shoot a three. You're overcomplicating things. Take the easy shot. Take the easy shot. Literally, it's a layup. Just put it in. Throw the out route if you have a complicated pass play. If a five-yard out's open, don't overthink it. Throw the five-yard out. It is a no-brainer for the Cleveland Browns to pick Sam Darnold with the number one overall pick. I will not trash them if they pick Josh Allen, but the Browns are absolutely overthinking the number one overall pick. I think it's very interesting. 
The Seattle Seahawks are at a crossroads right now in their franchise. They have won Super Bowls. They, they won one Super Bowl. They went to two. And they had this group of players. They had Marshawn Lynch. They had Richard Sherman. They had Michael Bennett, Golden Tate, Max Unger. And now all of these guys are gone. Their core that took them to Super Bowls is gone. So my question for the Seahawks is, what do you do when the going gets tough? In 1996, Harbor High School was playing San Lorenzo Valley in a high school football game. The winner of this game would receive the league championship. If you won this football game, you were the league champion. It was David versus Goliath. San Lorenzo Valley, SLV, they always won. They were perennial winners. They won every single year. And Harbor High School from Santa Cruz was a bunch of beach bums, skater boys. They were not a football powerhouse. <clears throat> this football game ends in a tie. And Harbor High School, who is massive underdogs, the Harbor quarterback, when asked, do you want to play for overtime? The Harbor High School says, no, we will take the tie. And these two teams became co-league champions. A decision, the quarterback, I know him, I'm a friend of his, he regrets to this day. I know this story very well because I worked on a documentary called Almost Champions. And 20 years later, the quarterback felt so guilty about what happened. Wally Rizaki, look him up, felt so guilty 20 years later, he proposed they play a rematch to see who actually was the league champion. And they did it. They went back. But the point is, the point of this story is to say, how do you respond when the going gets tough? Do you rise up or do you keel over and take the loss? Do you submit to a tie? We'll just take the tie. I don't want to fight for it. The Seattle Seahawks are in that position. Are they going to keel over and die or are they going to rise up? So everybody left the Seattle Seahawks. Michael Bennett. Richard Sherman, Marshawn Lynch, Golden Tate, Max Unger, all their stars. The core of the Seattle Seahawks is gone. And what do the Seahawks have left? The Seattle Seahawks have their head coach, Pete Carroll, and their starting quarterback, Russell Wilson. If you think back to the early 2000s, we saw a very similar thing happen. We saw the New England Patriots. We saw the New England Patriots win Super Bowls with Teddy Bruschi, Richard Seymour, Rodney Harrison, Junior Seau, rest in peace. The New England Patriots won a bunch of Super Bowls with a core group of guys. They had a great defense, and they had Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. When those old guys retired, when their legendary defense retired and moved on, what were the Patriots left with? The Patriots were left with Tom Brady and their head coach, Bill Belichick. However, when the Patriots lost their great defense, they lost the core of their team. They were able to reset and keep it going. The question is, can the Seattle Seahawks do the same? My best bet is no. I do not believe the Seattle Seahawks can duplicate the Patriots' success. Let's look at Pete Carroll's resume in his career. He spent one year as the Jets head coach. Took a little break, went back and was the Patriots head coach for three seasons before ending up in USC and being USC's head coach for nine years. He won a couple of championships. 
And now it's been eight years in Seattle. It fell apart in USC after nine years. He spent eight in Seattle. We are coming close to the end. It's been a good run. It's been a great run. The Seahawks have won a ton of games. But nine years appears to be the max for Pete Carroll. That might be a weak argument. So let's talk about some other stuff. We've seen many collections of players get together, win a bunch for a few years, and then ultimately fizzle out. We saw the Cowboys do this. We saw the 49ers do this. And we saw the Pittsburgh Steelers do this. So the Cowboys dynasty, they won three Super Bowls between 1993 and 1996. It's only four years. Four years between Super Bowls. I mean, they won other seasons beside that, but their Super Bowl run was for four years. Four years over. Three Super Bowls, and that's it. Now, the 49ers, between 1985 and 1990, won four Super Bowls with Joe Montana and company, and then again in 1995, with a different cast and a new quarterback, Steve Young, they won another Super Bowl. But look at the time between Super Bowls. Five years. The Steelers, between 1975 and 1980, won four Super Bowls. Again, five years. Do you get the point? The point is that even the best dynasties of all time, they don't last very long. They fizzle out after five, six years, probably eight years with that same core of guys. The longest we've seen is five years between Super Bowls. When you talk about the 49ers, the Steelers, and the Cowboys, the longest stint we've seen between Super Bowls is five years. It's been eight years for the Seattle Seahawks. It's been eight years for Pete Carroll and the Seahawks. You know why the Patriots are so incredible? Why the Patriots are just head and shoulders above everybody else in NFL history? That's because it's been 15 years between their first Super Bowl and their last Super Bowl. They won their first Super Bowl in 2002. And they won their most recent Super Bowl in 2017. 15 years between their first Super Bowl and their most recent Super Bowl. That is unheard of. To keep a quarterback and a coach together. To lose your big cast. To lose your Emmett Smith. To lose your Deion Sanders. To lose your Jerry Rice. Roger Craig. To lose all those guys. Reset and be able to win more Super Bowls down the road. That is incredible. That is unheard of. Do you think that Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson can duplicate what the New England Patriots were able to do? I'll be honest, history is not on their side. It doesn't look good if you're a Seahawks fan. I am betting that the Seattle Seahawks are done. This is the beginning of the end for Pete Carroll and his time as the Seattle Seahawks head coach. They're not going to part ways with Russell Wilson, but this is the beginning of the end for Pete Carroll. And that leads me to the 49ers. I saw an article on Niners Nation today. said, is right tackle a fatal flaw for the San Francisco 49ers? Yes, absolutely. Right tackle. The offensive line in general, it's a huge deal for the 49ers. I live in Washington. I see a ton of Seahawks football every single year. Everybody I know is a Seahawks fan. And the Seattle Seahawks shortened Russell Wilson's career by not getting him an offensive line. We've seen Russell Wilson take beating after beating 
after beating. And now years have come off of Russell Wilson's career because of the Seahawks' inability to get him an offensive line. The 49ers now have their $137 million quarterback. They got their golden boy, Jimmy Garoppolo. And I am begging, please, please, 49ers, John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan, Jed York, for the love of God, please do not make the same mistake the Seattle Seahawks made with Russell Wilson. Please support Jimmy Garoppolo with an offensive line. Here's how I build a football team. I get a quarterback first, then I build my defense, and I build my offensive line. Because a good quarterback can make up for average receivers. You have average receivers, you're fine. You're the Patriots, you're the Colts. A lot of t- Aaron Rodgers can make up for average wide receivers. But nothing, nothing in the world can make up for a bad offensive line. And Jimmy Garoppolo is Seems like he appears after, I mean, just five games, but he appears like a guy that you're not going to get again for a long time. He's a franchise quarterback without a shadow of a doubt. He's a special guy. Do not shorten Jimmy Garoppolo's career. Do not hurt Jimmy Garoppolo's future by not giving him an offensive line. And I like it. Right now, the 49ers and their general manager, John Lynch, the 49ers are headed in the right direction. They signed a center, Weston Richburg. And that was not a small deal. It was a five-year deal worth $47 million. It was a big investment, a big statement saying, look, we care about our offensive line. But I want to see the 49ers invest even more in their offensive line. 49ers are making a playoff push. Absolutely. They're a wild card team for sure. I, I honestly, I think next year is the Rams year to win the NFC West. But after that, when the Rams fall apart, Two years, three years from now, the Rams are going to win the NFC West. They're going to have a chance at a Super Bowl. Right now, next year, they're still building. They need to make the playoffs before you got to run before you can walk. You got to walk before you can run. And part of that process, part of the building process when you're building a football team, quarterback, defense, offensive line, please, the 49ers must continue to invest in their offensive line. Do not make the same mistake I've watched the Seattle Seahawks make with Russell Wilson for the last four or five years. The 49ers must continue to build the 49ers offensive line. So it's funny. There's news coming out recently. This week there's been news that Robert Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski, is rumored to be leaving New England. Everybody's shocked. Every media personality, oh, oh my God, let's discuss it. Let's debate it. This is no surprise. Why are people acting surprised? Rob Gronkowski does not fit with the Patriots culture. He's a party frat boy. The Patriots are the stoic businessman of the NFL. That guy doesn't have any fun. Patriots are like me. They're in their room on a Friday night, drinking water, working on a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, I didn't prepare that analogy. The point is, I have one thought for Rob Gronkowski. Because obviously Rob Gronkowski is not a good fit for the Patriots. I understand why Rob Gronkowski would want to leave the Patriots. Rob Gronkowski wants to have fun. He doesn't want to be bogged down by a tough culture. I actually have two thoughts, I guess. Now that I think about it, how many of you guys love your job? I, I, I love what I do. I love strong opinion sports. But there are, even for me, 
my dream job, my favorite thing in the world, doing a podcast. There are parts of this process I don't love. I'm not a big fan of editing. I like writing. I like broadcasting. The editing part sucks for me. I hate social media. I completely hate social media, but that's the only way for me to get my show out to the world. There are just things in your job you have to put up with, things you don't want to do that you must do. And I don't know that Rob Gronkowski completely understands that. But this is where I want to go with this. Look, Rob Gronkowski, I have been on bad teams. My first two years of high school, I barely, I won, I think, two games? One game, two games? I didn't win a game my freshman year. I think I won two my junior, my sophomore year. I went from to one high school. I went to a new high school. My junior year of high school, I won more games my junior year than I'd ever won in football. In football, my entire life, not just freshman year, not just sophomore year, my entire football career, I won more games at my new school my junior year than I had ever won in my entire life in all of football, all my years combined. I've been on bad teams. I've been on good teams. Being on bad teams sucks. It doesn't compare. I promise you, man, being on a losing team is not fun. If Rob Gronkowski wants to have fun, he better figure out what his priorities are. I've got a prediction for you. I'm going to predict this right now. If Rob Gronkowski goes, leaves the Patriots, and goes to a team with a losing record, Rob Gronkowski's career is done after just one year with that team. Because I think Rob Gronkowski's tired of the grind. He wants to have fun. And losing is no fun at all. And even from the Patriots' perspective, it's hard to win with guys that are tired of the grind. If you're not, don't want to be there anymore, if you're tired and you're done, it's really hard. It's really, really hard to win with guys who have a bad attitude and don't want to be there. That might be the boat the Patriots are in. The Patriots might have to walk away from Gronk simply because he doesn't want to be there anymore and you can't work with people like that. But there is an interesting comparison because right now Rob Gronkowski wants to leave the Patriots. And we've seen all this turmoil because we all, I always compare the Spurs and the Patriots. The San Antonio Spurs and New England Patriots are very similar organizations. Spurs are stoic. They don't talk to reporters. They keep everything very internal. They're, not, they're quiet. They're not very public. They don't share things. That's how the Patriots are. They're well-run. They win championships. They have a system, a process, and that's how they win. The Patriots don't win with stars. They win because of their system. The Spurs, I mean, I guess they've had... Tim Duncan, and now Kawhi Leonard. But for the most part, their success is because of their system. I think there's many, many comparisons to be had between the Spurs and the Patriots. And just like Rob Gronkowski is tired of the Patriots, it appears Kawhi Leonard wants out of San Antonio. It appears that Kawhi Leonard wants to get away from the San Antonio Spurs. And on first glance, you can make the same argument to Kawhi Leonard you made to Rob Gronkowski. Look, Kawhi, winning sucks. You're at a great franchise. You're, at, you're with a great organization. Don't leave a winning franchise to go play and take your chances elsewhere. Because you don't, what you last thing you want to do is end up on a team that doesn't win. But I don't entirely agree with this argument for two strict reasons. First of all, I think Kawhi Leonard can go other places and win. Kawhi Leonard could team up with another star. He could go play with LeBron James. Maybe Kawhi Leonard, who I think is from Southern California, could go play for the Lakers. But here, here's the bigger thing. Here's the most important thing. Imagine this. So Kawhi Leonard has an injury. 
and his teammates have called him out saying, I had the same injury, wasn't as bad. They went public with it. The San Antonio Spurs took their dirty laundry, took their baggage, and made it public. Put it in this context. What if this was a relationship? What if your girlfriend took an argument you guys had behind scenes and put it all over Facebook or took it to the news, made it public, took your small feud between the two of you and made your private business public? If my friend came to me with this problem, what would I tell him? I would say, dude, you got to break up with the girl. Get out of that relationship. And I I honestly think the same thing is going to happen with Kawhi Leonard and the San Antonio Spurs. That relationship is over. It's the beginning of the end. When you take our dirty laundry, when you take a private conversation, when you take a private feud and make it public, bam, it's over. You can't recover. It's done. That relationship in San Antonio between Kawhi Leonard and the San Antonio Spurs is now over. God, I saw a funny story. You're going to laugh at this one. I have two left. I'm going to talk about Paxton Lynch. I'm going to to talk about Lamar Jackson. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. Help me grow by telling your friends, yada, yada, you know the whole spiel. So Paxton Lynch. If you don't know Paxton Lynch, Paxton Lynch was a first-round draft pick by the Denver Broncos a couple years ago. He was in the same draft class as Carson Wentz and whatever other quarterback, Jared Goff. And this was the first quarterback that John, oh, what is his name? That quarterback, whatever, whatever that guy's name is. I can't remember. John Elway. He was the first quarterback, John Elway, the vice president of the Broncos, took a chance on. He said, this is going to be our future. We're going to draft him in the first round. We're going to develop Paxton Lynch, and we're going to make him into a star. And Paxton Lynch has not panned out for the Denver Broncos. He's been awful. And the Broncos are desperate for quarterback play. The Broncos started Trevor Simeon, who I believe was a sixth or seventh round pick in the NFL draft. He's awful. I mean, he's not, he's not the worst quarterback. He's a fine backup, I guess, but he's not a starter in this league. And the Broncos have been so desperate, they made Paxton Lynch their starting quarterback. Actually, here's how bad it was for the Broncos last year. Remember Brock Osweiler? The Broncos played Brock Osweiler at quarterback. If Paxton Lynch was any good... At all? We would, they would have played Paxton Lynch. The truth is, Paxton Lynch was so bad at quarterback, they chose to play Brock Osweiler before him. Paxton Lynch clearly is not a good quarterback. So this is where it gets funny. News came out today, recently, I saw it recently, that Paxton Lynch has decided he is now working, and he is now working with Tom Brady's trainer, Alex Guerrero. Remember, Paxton Lynch couldn't figure it out. He can't figure out how to play quarterback. This news is not a big deal at all. It's actually funny. It's hilarious. Think about this sentence. Paxton Lynch is training with Tom Brady's trainer, athletic trainer, Alex Guerrero. What's the key word there? The key word is trainer, athletic trainer. Did you say quarterback coach? Oh, you didn't. Was the problem with Paxton Lynch ever that he wasn't in shape? Was the problem with Paxton Lynch ever that, you know, his 40 time isn't good enough or his his body's not in good shape? No. The problem with Paxton Lynch is the guy can't read a defense. 
The guy can't make the throws. He's not a good enough quarterback. He's not in bad shape. If you're a bad quarterback, don't go to a trainer. Go to a quarterback coach. Tom Brady works with a guy named Tom House. That's Tom Brady's guru quarterback coach. If you want to become a better quarterback, go work with a quarterback coach, not an athletic trainer. Are you kidding me? As if Alex Guerrero has some magic dust he's going to sprinkle on Paxton Lynch and suddenly make Paxton Lynch a great quarterback. Hell no. No. Whoever, whoever thinks this is a big story that Paxton Lynch trying to revive his career is working with Tom Brady's athletic trainer, it's not going to change anything. Again, I'm going to rest my case here, but the point is Paxton Lynch, if the Broncos quarterback Paxton Lynch wants to be a better quarterback, for God's sake, go work with a quarterback coach. Not an athletic trainer. Alex Grow doesn't have some kind of magic dust he can sprinkle on you and give you Tom Brady syndrome. No, it doesn't work that way. That, that story is silly and drives me nuts. Okay. Woo, I have one more thing. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. I don't know. It's fun for me. <clears throat> I have one more thing I want to talk about today. I've been, I guess, here's how I would put it. I am embarking on a journey this week, a project to learn about the quarterback Lamar Jackson. I think Lamar Jackson is the most fascinating quarterback in the entire NFL draft. Lamar Jackson's crazy fascinating. He has the biggest fan base in all of this year's NFL draft. Bigger than every other quarterback combined is Lamar Jackson's fan base. He's up with the likes of Russell Westbrook, Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is a huge, huge star. And many people in Lamar Jackson's fan base are claiming that Lamar Jackson is not getting a fair chance. I don't know what to make of that. I, I don't know what to make of that. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to do the responsible thing. Before I come out with an opinion about Lamar Jackson, I've already looked at his film. But I, I want to rewatch all of his film and go even more in depth. Because I, I, did, I did dive into his film. I watched like seven, eight games. But I don't think that's enough. So I want to do a deep, deep dive into Lamar Jackson's tape. I want to watch every single snap Lamar Jackson has taken in college. And these are the things that I am looking for. So the accusation or maybe the question about Lamar Jackson everybody's bringing up is Lamar Jackson, the main criticism of him, the main criticism of Lamar Jackson is that supposedly Lamar Jackson cannot win from in the pocket. And I watched his film. I saw Lamar Jackson roll out and run a ton and throw the ball downfield. And I said, you know what? That means that shows me, hey, like it or not, Lamar Jackson doesn't win games from the pocket. And, and on second glance, I don't know if that was very responsible. Because it's possible. There, and there's something I didn't look for that I'm going to look for a second time. I'm going to go through all of Lamar Jackson's tape. And I feel like an idiot saying this, but hey, it's, you got to admit when you're wrong, you got to do it. I'm going to go rewatch all of Lamar Jackson's tape and ask the question, why is Lamar Jackson running? Is Lamar Jackson running because he's undisciplined? Is Lamar Jackson running because he doesn't know how to win from the pocket? Or is it possible that the reason Lamar Jackson is out of the pocket running for his life because he had a bad offensive line? I'm going to give Lamar Jackson the benefit of the doubt and ask the question. Is Lamar Jackson running because he needed to? Is Lamar Jackson Running, not because that's how he plays football, but because he needed to in order to win. I think it's very interesting. And I have another question. I know this statistic is out there. 
probably, I think so. I think I could probably find it. But I want to ask, how does Lamar Jackson's completion percentage change when you account for how many drops he had? How many incomplete passes were Lamar Jackson's fault? And how many were his receivers? Because again, the main thing people say to defend Lamar Jackson is he had a bad offensive line and a bad receivers, and he elevated everybody around him. The only reason, supposedly, that Louisville was competitive was because of Lamar Jackson. I'm open to that idea. It's very possible. So again, I know I could probably find that set out there, but I'm going to look for myself. I'm going to take a tally. I'm going to have deep notes on this. What is Lamar Jackson's completion percentage when you account for all the drops Louisville receivers had? How many incompletions were his fault? How many were just simply he had bad receivers? I'm going to count for bad routes. I'm going to, I'm going to do everything. I'm obviously going to do a lot of care for this. But I, I just want to know, like, is Lamar Jackson actually getting slighted? Is he really a better quarterback than everybody is giving him credit for? Because I got to say, there are some things I love. Oh, there are some things I love about Lamar Jackson, not even his athletic ability. Because clearly Lamar Jackson, as far as speed and agility, is the best quarterback. We've we, He's the best athlete. He is the best runner. He's the best agility-wise. He's the best athlete we've ever seen play the quarterback position. He's a better runner than Michael Vick. He's a better runner in my runner in my opinion than Randall Cunningham. Lamar Jackson is the best athlete, not quarterback, athlete that's ever played the quarterback position. I make that very clear because I had someone misunderstand that the other day and say, "You think he's the best quarterback of all time?" No, I don't. But he's as far as the running ability, he is the best. There are other things I love about Lamar Jackson too. First of all, Lamar Jackson has never ever been injured, not once. From what I can see, I might be wrong. From what I can tell, Lamar Jackson has never dealt with an injury, which is crazy. That's really cool. That's that's really hard to do. That's special. And the other thing I just, oh, that I love about Lamar Jackson, the best of all, the best feature about Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson is an absolute grown-up. Look, you shouldn't get a trophy for doing what's expected of you, but when you compare him to Baker Mayfield, Lamar Jackson's a saint. Lamar Jackson has 100% been a model citizen off the field. He's a humble guy. He's a cool guy. Lamar Jackson's the kind of dude I would love to drink a beer with. I'm like, dude, how are you? Can I meet with you? Can I talk with you? I think I think Lamar Jackson, if I met him on the street, we'd be friends. Seems like a nice guy, a good guy, a model citizen. On the field, off the field, Lamar Jackson has never had a problem. Those, I, I like Lamar Jackson. I want to make sure. Before I say the wrong thing about Lamar Jackson, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to take absolute care to give Lamar Jackson a fair shot. All right, that's all I have, guys. I'm I'm really excited. I started something new. I did a movie podcast on Sunday. It's called Zach's Movie Club. It's uh, I love it. It's it's just strong opinion sports with movies instead. It's Z A C apostrophe S Zach's Movie Club on YouTube on SoundCloud. Coming to iTunes everywhere else eventually. It's it, you know it takes forever, but right now I'm excited. If you want more of me, you like movies and you want to hear my takes, you can also find my other podcast, Zach's Movie Club. I started on Sunday. I do it every Sunday. I'm excited about that. For now, I mean that's all I have, guys. I, I really enjoy the show. I'm excited. I think a national championship was just fantastic. And remember, you guys can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. 
Help me grow this podcast by telling your friends about Strong Opinion Sports. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, help me grow by telling your friends. My name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you guys have a great day. I'm excited. Wednesday, I'm already prepping Wednesday. It looks like it's going to be a fantastic show. I'm sorry this one is late. Just, you know, it is what it is. For now, that's all I have. I hope you guys have a great day. Bam, 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 we're done.